Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, beautiful humans. Welcome to episode 41 of Provisation. Today, friends, is the 3rd of June, 2020, that fateful year where the world changed. I'm saying that, hoping that you're listening in the future, and that after this year, we have learned many lessons. (laughs) I hope so. I, today, attended a protest in London that was arranged, was organised to support Black Lives Matter. Because all lives don't matter until Black Lives Matter. It's quite simple. Think about, friends, and think about what it would take you to get to this point of protest. Think about the historical implications that you as a human would need to spark this scale of protest globally. This wasn't the first Black Lives Matter protest in London. This week even, and there's more arranged this week, and they're currently ongoing globally today as I record this. It's incredible to watch. It's terrifying to watch. But let's hope, future listener, that you are on, (laughs) I suppose, let's say, the right side of history. Just think about other humans, would you? For goodness sake. This week's amazing guest is a friend that I have had in my life for almost 10 years. Years. I met this cream. <laughs> we tell the story in the episode, so I'm not going to go into it and spoil it. But <laughs> she saved my ass <laughs> one day in New York City, which of course is an epicenter for the protests right now. It was also in the year 2020 a huge epicenter of whew, coronavirus. And, yep, it's a a crazy world there right now. But the city obviously produces some incredible, incredible human beings because this week's guest, my wonderful friend, Jess, Jessie Cruz, 
she is just amazing. Like I say, I met her over about, no, not over 10 years, about 10 years ago. So think about that. I would have been 20, a little 20 year old. Oh, damn. And I've kept her on Facebook for 10 years. You know those people that you have and you're like, wow, watching you evolve into a full grown human being is, is a joy. And this episode really reflects that. Jess left me with this kind of hopeful feeling. We recorded this on Sunday, the last Sunday just gone. And uh, the protests were only just starting to get underway there across the world. And it was just, it was, it was a very, un, un, I mean, it's uncertain right now, but it was an extremely uncertain, precarious time. And she filled my belly with this warm feeling of hope because she, she just like, she's doing everything awesome to make the world more awesome and y'all need to listen up and take notes (laughs) Jess is a she's a writer you should absolutely read her work she is a mama oh my god she is a powerful woman and oh I find her voice really calming I say that about a lot of my guests but Jess's voice is especially calming (laughs) Perhaps it's just during this turbulent time she managed to, she managed to soothe me. <laughs> it really should have been the other way around. Uh, it really should have been. But my voice, let's face it, is raspy like a cheese grater and shrill, <laughs> shrill friends. And on that note, I will get the fuck out of the way. Uh, this week, I need you to go and follow Black Lives Matter on Instagram. I need you to go and follow the Minnesota Freedom Fund. I need you to go and follow the Brooklyn Bail Fund. I need you to go and follow many other social medias that I've shared on my social media this week. You can find me by Googling Rebecca Crow. And then as you click on my profile, please click the link and it will take you directly through to the Black Lives Matter website. And frankly, that's all that matters this week. I can hold space for black lives because society doesn't. So we all need to. It's as simple as that. Beautiful humans, please enjoy my incredible guest, Jess, on episode 41 of Crovisation. When I was growing up, all my role models were male. I didn't see anyone I could relate to in the press, online, anywhere. Now, I'm surrounded with the most phenomenal women. They've each endured unique hardships and survived. More than survived, they thrive. But still, women are not equal in the world, not represented in the media, not treated equally online, and still subjected to sexism in everyday life. Alternative women especially are more a hashtag than they are real humans. I wanna change that. I want you to see the women I see. I want you to hear them. This this conversation. Cyan, make sure that audio is coming through. Yes, it is. Hi, beautiful humans. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm like that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) There's no words. I mean, that's, I think, 
it's the strongest statement right now, isn't it? There's no words. I feel like we're about to see a lot of news reports coming out from a lot of different angles about things going on right now. Yes, there's been, yeah. it's been a whirlwind weekend. I mean, the pandemic itself, we're speaking today, Jess and I, on the 31st. So this will be coming out next Wednesday. So it's currently Sunday. We've been in the global pandemic for weeks now. And you live in the USA, Jess. Mm-hmm. And the, New York City. In New York City, damn. And the USA has been, I think, the, the focus of the global stage right now because of the, the protests that are occurring, etc. Mm-hmm. How is that for you? It's such a broad spectrum of questions, but how, how, do you, yeah. how is that for you at a surface level? And then we'll dig in. The main thing that stands out to me is that like, not just the people that are protesting police violence and systemic racism, but also our response to the pandemic itself, our, they point to much bigger problems. They're much more closely related than I think people think they are. Like the things going on now, one, one, it's, it's nothing new. We've seen our fair share of pandemics in the past. We've seen our fair share of protests in the past, but the main thing that I think we really need to talk about is that none of this exists in a vacuum. Yeah. They're all part of a long history of people's needs being ignored in the name of profit in oh, both it, cases. It's a one yeah. big boiling pot of issues that have layered up to create this catalyst of, uh-huh. it was, it was inevitable, I would say. Exactly. Really. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been, I mean, where do we start really, Jess? Where, where do you think the most useful place for us to start discussing it would be for people listening today? Maybe just the fact that, okay, I hear people often either say or post or comment, whatever, that the system is broken. Right. When in reality, the system is not broken. It is working exactly as it was designed to. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that there is. Yeah. I feel like people see all of the violence and uh, just poorly handled responses to multiple things going on, whether it's climate issues, police violence, uh, responses to the pandemic etc people see all of the disorganization and chaos and think oh my gosh everything's breaking everything's crumbling and it's like no this is this is how it's this is how it was planned to go if that makes sense it was always going to happen this way with the the parameters that it was built around and the structures that it was built on how Mm -hmm. could it have gone any other way exactly yeah. nothing's broken this is this is what it was going to be yeah it's yeah. working it's working just fine do you think and that's, that's what's bad <laughs> mm, it's so bad it's awful it's abhorrent as if anyone claims it to not be they must have their eyes shut or live under a rock because if if you're in denial or even scarier don't yeah. care and i feel like that's what's been the saddest from now that's the saddest thing to me right now is that 
for some people, absolutely. They probably lack access to the necessary resources to really learn how to critical think and engage with these things and be able to look at what's going on and make connections. Mm. For so many people, it's like that. Yeah. I mean, there are still millions of people in the United States who don't have access to stable internet. And this, that's just the United States. That's not even talking. Yeah. It's not even taking into account the people around the world who don't have access to stable internet. So that's one thing. But then there are people who also are willfully ignorant. Mm. And that's one thing. And then there are people who just don't care. And I feel like the ones that are really starting to get me the most right now are the ones where it's just like, wow, you just genuinely don't care. It's not even that you don't want to learn. It's not that you don't have access to the things you need to learn. Mm -hmm. You're just, uh, you just don't care. It's just not, you're, I, I don't understand how people can feel so indifferent towards other human life, like how they can see all of this evidence and then yeah. still yeah. decide not to care. What a, I, what a privileged position to be in, to be able to sit back and mm-hmm. not have to use that space in your mind and think about issues. That must be so nice. To be able to live a peaceful <laughs> life, right? Oh I mean, isn't that the dream for everyone? I, I thought that that was the, um, I was, we were sold the idea that that was the idea, that it would be mm-hmm. good for everyone, but actually it's only good for the people who are pop. And it's become exactly. very clear during the pandemic who, who those people are, I mm-hmm. think. How? And what's even more sad is they don't realize that they're at risk too. They think that because they've chosen to be apolitical, right. that's going to somehow keep them safe. Mm. And it's like, mm, that's not how this works. They just haven't gotten to you yet. Right, exactly. It, even if, if it's the virus or if it's society yep. being racist, society being in any way discriminatory or oppressive, it, it hurts everyone. It's never, everyone. We, it can never be society as good as it can be until it is as good as it can be and it's not there so we got to keep going forward right exactly Mm. exactly how's new york been in terms of the coronavirus and highlighting those that wealth kind of divide so i'll preface all this by saying that i live in an area where one in five people who are tested test positive the virus that's high um i personally have lost three friends to the virus i'm so sorry and pretty much everybody that i know has lost at least one person and that's not an exaggeration like that's that's just what's been happening and like my circle of people and it's been really uh interesting to see how people have been talking about it because how do i put this the people that are mostly being impacted by this are overwhelmingly black Mm -hmm. or brown and more than that the majority of the people that are dealing with this are people who come from chronically disenfranchised neighborhoods. And I say chronically disenfranchised instead of poor, just because I like to make it very clear that people aren't just poor. <laughs> like agree. there it's are deliberately underfunded on purpose. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. I did the same, so, yeah. 
So it's people living in those neighborhoods. And then it's even more sad when people throw around language like essential workers and heroes, but then they don't actually value those people. Like we've lost over 40, over 40 people that work for like the New York subway system to coronavirus because they weren't protected. Bus drivers, people that are trained conductors, uh, people that work for the Department of Sanitation. These people are so obviously at risk as well. They should have been protected straight away. They should have been the first ones. Right, they're straight They should have been the first ones, the first ones. And what's even more wild is that it's almost like people don't realize, like, what would happen in New York City if there were no sanitation workers? What would happen in New York City if there were no bus drivers, no people conducting the trains? How would people get to the hospitals? Right. It it just How would essential workers get to work? Mm -hmm. Guess what? They wouldn't. So the fact that the people that the city literally depends on to function yeah, to are the ones that, they were the ones that were neglected first. Yeah. And now they're, I mean, I, I, this is another language thing. I don't like to just say that they've died. They're mm. being killed Yeah. because they're not being protected. 100%. They had the chance. Like the city had the chance to protect these people and prevent their deaths. Yeah. And they didn't. They chose not and to. Exactly. Yeah. They chose not to. They chose not to. It's, but it's, then expected them to yeah. work extra hard to make sure that other people could get to work. And Is there, what, what was uh, the deal kind of struck with your transport workers and your key workers? Because I know worker labor rights in the UK and the USA are quite different, starkly. So what kind of deal were, were you, was the USA workers, especially in New York, really offered? I mean, there were a couple of uh, bills introduced that were supposed to give like a bit more pay and special like checks and stuff like that. Yeah. But buried in the bills were some things that were not so great. So it just turned into this really? whole debate. And when it really comes down to it, I mean, literally just nothing. And they just kept dying. Yeah. Being killed. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. That's so. What really stuck out to me was like, it still blows my mind that they really had uh, medical professionals wearing trash bags. Is that to work. How can they, how, how, like, how can anyone think that that is acceptable in, in medical, any way? In a medical environment with a, in a medical environment. highly contagious virus. It's not even safe for the patients, let alone the staff. How do you have them right? reusing masks? Ooh, what are you there's doing? A, there's a reason that it's disposable. That it was revolutionary to the medical <laughs> industry, right? <laughs> we, can do, we can burn bacteria. We can burn viruses. Yay. Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Oh, and it's never ending sirens. I can hear it's already never ending sirens, but now yeah. it's just like even more than usual. Is it quite yeah. a tense environment at the at the moment, Jess? We were speaking earlier about the vibe in New York right now. Yeah, it's I'd say it's tense. Mm. I've only been outside three times since March twelfth. <laughs> wow. Um yeah. And today is what, May thirty first? Yep, end of May. Um, yeah. So it's from the times I've gone outside, very it's been good. very tense. But my new thing has been to just sit on my fire escape and, and garden. <laughs> so, oh, my God. I saw yeah. your gardening on your balcony. It's cute, right? Let's talk oh, about your plants. We got to talk about that. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about plants. But 
watching things from because I'm on the I'm up I'm up uh, I'm like up higher in the building looking down below yeah at things going on has been really fascinating like just seeing I don't know you just you see it you feel it like you literally feel it in the air and it's not yeah. weird and now that I feel things like the actual weather changing and it getting more hot and humid like it like the air feels suffoc like it suffocates you it, outside. Wow. It's a lot. It yeah. just feels suffocating. The the one thing I will say is every single day, every single day at seven PM for the past I mean I wanna say three weeks, but it might have been a month. It might have been two months. I don't it's been a Who long knows time. Anymore? But every day at seven PM it's claps and cheers loud <gasps> every day loud claps every day at seven and That's um great. i love that then there's um a neighbor who plays the song that goes new york new york new york new york and they play that and people clap and sing and at first i was like okay this is cute mm. but at the same time it's like please tell me that you're also like contacting your representatives and telling them to make sure that people are funded right because you're, people are literally coming home while we're clapping and they might have just like left the hospital working in a garbage bag yeah and then they come home and people are clapping so it's one of those things where it's like okay cool we're in this together but at the same time like what else are you doing besides clapping yeah because you can do right. other things you're just clapping for your social media or you're just clapping for your own exactly soothe your to own. make you feel better yeah yeah <laughs> literally that's exactly what it is when somebody's literally been at a hospital having to ventilate people all day if you witness that that can be it's a big juxtaposition isn't it and a really mm -hmm. hurtful one it's a, it's a kick in the teeth exactly mm, that's so so rough the virus over here what's that song ain't that a kick in the head or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's like it's yeah it's wild yes girl that's it's so rough so tell me more about your neighborhood how how's that been with the virus locally because you get quite involved in local government and stuff don't yeah. you yeah i love i love um, your posts on on your oh, social media you. i love i think you're you're incredible i love you <laughs> thank you sometimes i feel so annoying but then i'm like you know what no. people can unfollow me that's right unfollow me if it's too much it's for you simple. then then think how it is to you, you know? unfriend me block me like it's literally that simple it's often nobody's forcing you to read my shit <laughs> right um it's been it's interesting. Um, I've been attending as many uh, like community board and city council meetings as possible because they've all been virtual now. <gasps> that's so awesome. yeah, that's a good. So it's one of those things so where like it's like you almost have no excuse now. Like you can literally just like if you have a smartphone, you right. have a laptop, you have stable internet, mm -hmm. and if you're going to be on Facebook anyways pop up another tab open up the city right. council meeting, even if it's what people are talking about the background right? a bit. yeah mm -hmm. even if you're not saying you're literally just listening to see what's going on and that has honestly been the thing that's been giving me the most hope because that's awesome there are so many like i mean like at the most local levels like um assembly members and state senators and mm. city council members who are tirelessly working to make sure that the most marginalized people are being taken care of mm -hmm. and it's one of those things where <clears throat> it's been great to see people go to these meetings bring up issues and concerns 
and then you actually see it being handled like that it's like all my feelings about like presidential elections and stuff like that aside when it comes to like the most local Mm -hmm. government agencies and organizations that's where I feel like you can really see okay these people like they live in these neighborhoods they see what's going on they're inviting their neighbors to come here and talk and that's 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 honestly just where I've been seeing the most hope because they're really going in like it's great to see them like actually out in the streets donating food bringing people gloves that's awesome uh yeah it's so important uh, to see that yeah just to because it's easy to feel helpless a hundred percent it's so easy to feel helpless I, I feel very much helpless over here in the UK it's it's, it's rough in, in every situation. Nobody wants to feel hopeless, but there's always an option mm-hmm. for you not to feel hopeless. There's always mm-hmm. Even some if it's a action tiny you thing. can take. Yeah, you can some be like, tiny there's always something you can do. Mm-hmm. And I love that all those meetings are virtual. I didn't know that. I don't think we've got anything. So, yeah, it's amazing. Right now, Check it out. I mean, I wonder if it is. I mean, I hope it's a thing there too, but it's been really awesome. They've literally just been using Zoom. And like, it's been wild because like at first, there were people who have you heard of Zoom bombing? Mm, people were I mean, going I don't and no. oh yeah, so people were going yeah in and other like, people's meetings and oh, shouting racist slurs or oh. putting up images of swastikas and stuff like that and it's like so that was terrible. <laughs> um, but like I said, it's it's the system working as it's supposed to. Those yeah. people are going to infiltrate these. these They've, been um, They've been enabled. They've been enabled. Exactly. They've been so. Enable. people have been like here's the door i'll open it for you and i'm like oh, exactly the door? Fuck. and that's actually another thing that's been really wild is seeing how much more open people who identify as nazis have been really that's one thing that i've never understood where people who will wear swastikas and other like nazi symbols right. how can they they'll be like oh, but I'm not a Nazi. You know the history of these symbols, yet now you're feeling comfortable enough. To, or the guy in California who wore the, the clan hood. Did you see that? Oh my God, yeah, to the store. It's like a, a means of safety. No, no, nothing about that says safety. Hero safety. What? Who even, who, who let him leave the house? Obviously and someone else that right? has another... Clearly, it's somebody else that has a fucking mask. And that's like, like that's part of the problem. The fact that these people feel comfortable enough yeah. to do that is a problem. I, that's that's something problem. that's really come over here to the UK is oh, no. the, the real obvious people, the, the real people. That, the UK loves a, a loud, shouty, shiny thing from anywhere. So they've all latched on to. Oh, my to, goodness. Yeah, they've all latched on to all the craziness that's gone all, all the real extremes i guess life is very polarized and the media is very polarized so that's what comes across but yeah i saw that hood and i i've seen so many white supremacist rallies and so especially during this pandemic it seems to have really especially during this pandemic who, like who let who who opened the gate like what what's happened like, what are you doing? Mm. What are you doing? Like, why? how deluded are these people that they think they're safe in a pandemic too? It really points, it points to, the, to the real extreme conditioning of that human being, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Like you were saying, it's a lot deeper than these beliefs. These people generally mm-hmm. believe they are right despite anything, despite any despite information. Anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really scary. 
Has there been, has there been anything like that near you? Have you witnessed anything like that? Thankfully, not like firsthand myself, no, thankfully. Um, but it's wild seeing the more subtle forms of racism and anti-Semitism and xenophobia, et cetera, mm -hmm. uh, manifest themselves because I think one way that a lot of people absolve themselves from being part of the problem is by being like, oh, I would never do that. Like, I would never go outside in a clan hood. Mm. I would never, uh, whatever extreme thing it is that's blowing up on social media, like, I would never do that. Right. I'm not a racist. Like, I'm not associated with anything like that. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that racism isn't just like a one size fits all thing, it's like a spectrum of attitudes and behaviors and thoughts and ideas and beliefs that people hold sometimes unconsciously sometimes they don't even realize that they hold these beliefs yeah but they directly impact people's behavior directly mm -hmm. and they don't and some people i think don't even make that connection and that's that's where things get weird so like i'm in a lot of online like community groups where just people from the neighborhood are like on facebook and talk about things going on in the neighborhood and stuff yeah. like that and that's where I see a lot of subtle, more subtle forms of harm Interesting. shining through where <clears throat> it could even just be an offhand comment where people will say, so someone will say something like, now these people are out here acting like animals, stuff like that, where seemingly they think that, you know, they're just making a comment. A passing, reality, harmless comment, yeah, but they don't but know the history. They don't know the history behind what they're actually saying. Yeah. That they're and it's, insinuating stuff like that yeah yeah or my favorite thing or well, not fate you know what i mean yeah, one of the things right now that's really getting to me are the people who are saying things like there's a 99.1 percent survival rate of covid there's only what? like a 0.2 percent chance of you actually dying but it's like you do realize that that's still millions of people oh, yeah that's still more than people that's more people than <laughs> not dying what exactly, is it with more than people not dying what is and it with people and, and the acceptable amount of death yeah people like are fine with death up to a point with so exactly. many with so many issues how how is, it goes back to the same thing oh, where it's like mm -hmm. people are like oh only two percent of people are dying of covid but the problem isn't covid like you're fighting against covid the problem is that these deaths are preventable yeah and this is just one example of preventable deaths 100%. that are it's happening real big, for the same reason yeah it's shining a big light on it in a real obvious way like we we're saying earlier it really shines it especially so that in, blows my mind when people are like yeah. it's only a 0.2 percent survival rate that's millions <gasps> of people that's are you really saying you don't care that millions of people are dying billions of preventable people in the world. deaths yeah that's millions of people in the world Preventable millions of people that in the world forecasted forecasted, that and, and, forecasted and they set a limit of what's acceptable i remember the the, the prime minister of the uk said two hundred thousand deaths would be a good result i was like what good <laughs> <laughs> nothing good so one is bad two is very bad right, Carry exactly. on. <laughs> one is bad one preventable death is bad uh, one is bad mm -hmm. How are y'all really like, oh, it's just... Yeah, 
yeah I, <sighs> it's that cognitive kind of distancing again isn't it like you were saying with mm -hmm. the extremism earlier people they see it but they don't feel it or experience it so they so easily take themselves away from mm -hmm. from that with their conditioning it's and then what? when you think about who are the people that are actually dying and that's when the racism jumps out once yeah. they're like oh it's only black and brown people that mm -hmm. are dying from this oh it's only old people oh it's only people that are immunocompromised and living with chronic illness yeah. oh they're not humans anyways that's right. basically what they're saying there's so many instances of this in the uk there was like do not resuscitate it was put into the law i think the covid law that some people were just immediately not enabled not allowed to have oh. a have to be resuscitated or or they would be choosing people for ventilators over other people they would like their client would have been healthy and would have made it if they had a ventilator but they chose they had to choose someone else wow yeah yeah wow. just... i know it's so awful and and people aren't bothered by that until it bothers them exactly they're not bothered by it until it bothers them right what... and then when they are bothered by it they start, oh, yeah. try to find some type of mental gymnastics to make themselves still seem like they said or did nothing wrong right it's it's an amazing feat what people do isn't it in their right? in their minds I, i'm just wondering what because we speak about conditioning what condition goes into this kind of level of denial that people get themselves into starts from a young age a young age mm. see even i was laughing about it no. <laughs> it's like what but it does it starts from a young age like one thing that i've been noticing in the mom groups right are people that are like okay so how do i talk to my kid about this like i finally want to like make sure that like my kid isn't part of the problem and yeah. one thing i see so often is like people saying my child hasn't asked me about racism yet so i haven't thought to bring it up when in reality it should be you should just be raising them in an anti-racist way from the get-go and right. having these conversations with them. And yeah. like, just, that's just what it should be. I mean, it sucks. It sucks. Like, we shouldn't have to do that. It's a like, hard we really conversation. Shouldn't. We shouldn't oh. have to do it. It should. But at least yeah. you don't have to have the talk with them, trying to tell them how to survive an encounter with a police officer. Like, imagine yeah. having that conversation with your eight-year-old. I've been reading a lot of his experiences lately and I think that's something that really white people do not ever understand. They've never, At all. they'll never experience that. And a lot, a lot of, a lot of people don't want to speak about that experience as well. And why should they? Because it's a upsetting experience to have to go through for anyone. It's, it's, there's, mm. there's this one quote that I always bring up where it's like, some of the problems we share as women are the same and some of them aren't. We, like black, brown, indigenous women, mothers, mm. et cetera, we worry that our kids are going to go outside and get sh shot down in the street. And y'all are worried that your kids are just gonna grow up and become part of the patriarchy, but you're gonna turn your back on the reason why our kids are dying. Yeah. And it's like, <sighs> that has a lot to do with it. Where it's like, but then you also like like we were saying these beliefs are just so deep because mm -hmm. it's not as simple as i don't it's not as simple as somebody not caring about somebody else's child it's not that simple no it's also how sometimes implicit bias works its way in and people genuinely just like don't see all of the things 
at play that make it possible for so many black and brown people to lose their kids to police right. violence. You know what I mean? Like they don't 100%. see that this is a system that's it's, it's, making this happen. It's it's the way it's always been. It's it's hard to see something that you've never known to exist or or experienced, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, and it's unbelievable. So yeah. a lot of they think it's unbelievable. Once you and kind so of like, crack oh. it, it's like what the how the how the fuck did this go unchecked for so long? But yeah, for a while it I, like I and that's what's wild is I can see how some people could look at everything going on right now mm. and be like, "There's no way that this is no." They can't There's see no how way it that this, this is happening. The government yeah. is here to protect us, saying wow. stuff like that. You're stuck, or in the that. police are here okay. to um, keep yeah. us from harm, stuff like that. But it's like you have to dig a little bit deeper than that. You have to because yeah. it's not that simple. Just because that's the what you were taught in school or what your life experience mm-hmm. is, it's absolutely not a universal experience. I talk about universal experience on here so much because I think it's 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 a real a real problem of human beings. We get stuck in what we know mm-hmm. at this current moment is only what can be true ever. But in reality, life develops all the time. Situations the time. evolve. We have to get used to challenging our own knowledge, updating our knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you learn from the ages of one to 11 and then suddenly stop learning? Why, why is that the only time in your life where you can learn, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we need to, yeah, we need to start with the education system, maybe, or uh, where else do you think, Jess? See, it's all <laughs> so interconnected. It is. It's, it's and then part you of go the to the, mm. Like, when they fund police more than they fund schools, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or when you pay police officers more than you're paying teachers, mm. or when you put more police officers in schools than guidance counselors yeah or when you build more jails and prisons instead of building affordable housing right like what what do you expect to happen it's manifest what do you expect to happen when you cut people off from resources and Mm -hmm. keep them away from the resources that they need to survive and thrive what do you think is going to (laughs) happen it's it's it it seems that kind of occur in in just fiction that we consume as human beings but for some reason it's inconceivable for it to be happening in reality oh my god do you remember that show handmaid's tale oh my gosh yes like with that one so crazy i can't believe this is happening imagine that happened uh, in real life um uh, that did happen in real life and yeah it does happen in real life currently right now i'll tell you right now what just now yeah yeah it's how detached can people be like it's the bubbles in the neighborhoods that people live in and it's it's truly exceptional it's so hard for people to burst those bubbles though so someone's got to mm-hmm. come along and burst it for you almost and some they? people don't want them to be bursted because they like the comfort yeah i'm like safe, i get it yeah it's great to be comfortable Who doesn't want to be safe but this is why they have to realize yeah it's comfortable now mm-hmm. until it's not yeah literally until they come for you mm start caring way before that happened way before like all i keep thinking about now is so i'm working on a paper right now mm. that's drawing comparisons between things that are happening in the united states right now and things that were happening in germany and like the late 1920s 
very important comparisons. And it's, it's wild to see just how normal evil is. Uh-huh. How it's just, ex- I don't want to say it's accepted, but it is just normal. It's part and when of- things that are evil atrocities become so normal that mm-hmm. it's just like business as usual, yeah, that's when the problems start. Because then it makes it so much easier for even worse things to happen. Even it, worse things to happen. It's literally, it's such a reoccurring thing through history. The dehumanization of people and oppression of humans. That there was never a time where it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so, mass killings. Mass, mass killings of millions of people. Genocides. So when people, oh, it's just 2%. No. no. <laughs> it's not just 2%. Right. Have you heard of the, not even just the Holocaust in, in you know, in Europe, but mm. the Holocausts around the world that happen, that are blips on radars, I guess, because those are acceptable oh, yeah. deaths, I guess. Right, right. No, like, There's been genocides all over, throughout all history, continually, over. and silenced, and obviously history's been whitewashed yeah. to heck. I mean, that's And then things that are genocidal... Yeah they find a way to make it so that people don't see it for what it is yeah that's a real big thing in in england that's a real big problem in the uk mm. obviously at the root of colonization etc is england it's the uk it's where if you don't know that where do you live who are you it was us it was fox yeah i know i mean if we okay let's start there if you don't know there then we've really got somewhere to be heading. but yeah so everybody knows that but then after that, there's this nice blinkered bit where we ran through history with all the good stuff and ignore all the bad stuff. It's, it's a real big problem in the UK. And I think that really, it's, it's led to a big denial of racism. It's led to a, mm-hmm. I think we said earlier, like a society that considers itself post-racial, which is impossible to happen. You can't Literally. just hide that. It has to happen. You can't just be like, oh, that's how it is. Right? And, like if you have to say it, and convince people. <laughs> you Are you selling it to me? Are you trying to sell it to me? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's 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 a bizarre idea, but it, I guess it comes from capitalism, doesn't it? That kind of selling of ideas. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Oh goodness gracious! Definitely. Yeah. That and liberalism. Yeah. I feel like. Uh, Talk about liberalism them. in the USA, because in the UK and the USA they can vary. So. I'm trying to figure out where to even start. Mm. Right. I'm going to start by talking about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a philosopher, one of my favorite philosophers named Charles Mills. And if you have a moment, people should read Racial Liberalism by mm-hmm. him, amongst other things that he's written. Because thanks to his work, I was able to understand that what we think of liberalism isn't just this shining glimmer of hope for progress that we think it is it's yeah. literally rooted in racism mm-hmm. and things like social control and individualism and other things that people i don't think they realize they're supporting what they think they're supporting like you think about some presidents who ushered in eras of progress and right. new deals and such. Mm. 
and made it seem like oh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh ah! what's up <laughs> one sec let me recalibrate um, no problem I'm, ang- I'm angry about it too babe i, I hear you i hear you I-, I feel your rage <laughs> people don't realize that the things that they value are rooted in histories of oppression yep where they'll see things like i don't know social welfare and just see it necessarily as this incredible thing that's supposed to help people Mm. when in reality you're not addressing the fact that there are people who are living in areas that were designed to be not the best places to live yeah you have redlining you Mm -hmm. have things like purposely keeping certain resources out of certain areas Mm -hmm. you have it just goes back to the same thing with yes we can talk about things like social welfare but we can't talk about that without talking about why people are so deprived in the first place and Mm -hmm. one thing that liberal thinking does is it's just like let's just throw these solutions solutions quote unquote let's just throw these things at these neighborhoods Mm -hmm. as if it's going to help without actually addressing the underlying causes of these problems yeah and so people just think well i mean they get government assistance i don't get why they're still struggling i don't get why they're still no complaining i don't get why people are still protesting in the streets like oh my gosh like somebody commented the other day this is an example of liberal thinking in my opinion Mm. i saw many people commenting i don't get why these riots are still happening they the cops that brutally murdered or witnessed the murder of Mm like they've been brought up on charges you know they've been arrested i think i don't get why people are still rioting and it's like because police are institutionally racist it's a racist organization that's what it was made for it's literally they evolved from slave catchers yeah that's the history can you give us a brief history of the u.s police because in the uk they were an upper class upper class private army but in the usa they were interesting they were an upper class private army that's very like ancient greek like (laughs) yeah they they had lots of armies and then they somehow went melded into the metropolitan police but even initially they were still a private institution people think of england as this as this kind of national state that has lots of national services but everything rooted in money everything's rooted in wealth that's wild Mm. that's so basically just think back to plantation slavery Mm -hmm. eventually it got to the point where there started to be uprisings there started to be people who tried to fight back against the system that was oppressing them Mm -hmm. and they needed people to handle it and so people started getting together and creating mobs that would go out and catch enslaved people who ran away trying to find freedom or they would literally just do lynch mobs where they would get together and hang people or shoot them in the street, sick their dogs on them, et cetera. And over time, those people developed more organized groups. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a book um, that much more eloquently and deta- in a detailed way explains what I'm talking about. It's called Locking Up Our Own. Mm-hmm. It came out in, I believe, 2017. And it's by, I want to say James Foreman Jr. He's a professor at Yale. 
And that book is incredible just because it gives an incredibly detailed history of uh, the evolution of policing in the United States, um, how black politicians can be anti-black and perpetuate white supremacist violence. Yeah. And it's just, it's an incredible book. Like there's one, um, there's one section of the book where he talks about there was a period of time when black people tried to join the police force to try and, you know, change things up. They were like, you know what? We're going to go, we're going to join the system ourselves. Mm. But what ended up happening was they would face racism as police. And there's one particular instance where he talks about these police officers who literally had to enter the station from another door because they weren't allowed to enter the doors with the white police officers. So it's like stuff like that. And of course, the fact that uh, at one period of time, (laughs) arguably now, a ton of police officers were also in the Klan. And that's just history. Yeah, that is 100% history. Like I saw this meme yesterday that was like the same reason we don't see cops uh, protesting at like Klan rallies. It's the same reason why we don't see Miley Cyrus and Montana in the same room. Because they're the same. And it's like I've been I've been having some conversations with friends of mine who are former police officers and talking to them about everything going on. It's really sad how many of them have the same story where they themselves left the police force because they were being abused and harassed by other cops. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. Like it doesn't surprise me at all. No, but it's like, but it is a reality that needs to be said because that's not something that people think about. Really, I think people mm-hmm. people have assumptions about black people that join the police force, don't they? But they never again. They never really stop to listen to anyone's experiences. They assume it's, it's a lot. I am. Um, a few years back, I taught a writing class at um, a jail in New York City. Mm. And I think one of the things that shocked me the most was that the majority of the correctional officers that I saw were Black and Latinx. The majority, the vast majority really? of them. That's so interesting. And one thing that was really interesting was when I would like walk to the classroom, um, the people that were the, the officers. And the people that were incarcerated mm. went to high school together. They knew each other. They were friends. They knew each other. Really? It was from really fascinating to see. Interesting. Yeah, from before. They grew up together from the same neighborhoods. Wow. And they, and it shocked the hell out of me. Yeah. It shocked the hell out of me. I never expected anything like that. That's not something I would have ever thought to think about in my head. That's, it's yeah it's wild and it goes back to what we keep saying it's layered it's so layered massively like it's how did so layered. those people from the same neighborhood end up in two vastly different vastly situations different. vastly mm-hmm. different but also in this there's still as much a victim of racism as mm-hmm. regardless of what position you're in if you're incarcerated exactly not. exactly yeah so really so so different but also so the same and that's why it's so hard to unpick, isn't it? I suppose people see that it's so much, and they and they don't see. Yeah, they don't see what's underneath. 
when I would have conversations with some of the police officers, the conversations would go just something like, I'll never forget there was one black woman I spoke to who was like a, I don't know their rankings, what they're called, but she was like a higher up police right. officer. Cool. And she was just talking about how she and her mom and her dad and her sisters and her cousins are all police officers. Whoa. Job security. And she was just telling me about how when no other place would give her like and she was qualified you know mm-hmm. she was qualified for other jobs but she was just like i wasn't able to get a job and so i just went into the family business and wow. that's when i was just like we've literally gotten to the point where this happens and that's so as much really as i want to just say things like fuck you i also want to be like yeah we need to figure out what led to the conditions of possibility for this to even happen right and that's not defending them and it's not Mm -hmm. you know doing it's not that Mm -hmm. it's being like okay what is making it possible for this to happen and how can we address right that it's it's it should be a paradoxical situation really shouldn't it but Mm -hmm. somehow through social and economic situations and the system pushing people it's forced people into these positions like the military even exist how are you gonna uh-huh offering people free college are you kidding oh my god they do it in the uk too they they sell it in these adverts of heroism yeah. and, and they i was so oh. close to joining the marines when i was in really? high school can you even picture me joining the marines i considered it as, yeah. i considered like the police force in the uk at one point yeah. no i was like mm-hmm this is like good money i could get my college for free but like they would literally at my high school they would have tables set up in our high school cafeteria recruiting people kids yeah in our high school oh so messed up it wasn't until years after that that i realized how fucked up that was yeah how fucked up targeted those people that feel they have no other real roots it's yeah and it's the best solution Uh, that should never be the best solution offered to someone exactly it should never be narrowed down to that option ever it should never be narrowed down to that and it happens all over the country and it's just that's that's a real interest interesting paradox i yeah i'm really interested more as well about the um the experience that you've had within the prison system in the usa because i know the uk watches that with fascination so what experience have you had you said you gave some talks and stuff oh so yeah i taught a writing class and yeah i've just been a part of a lot of like community organizing movements and protests and advocacy work and stuff um, yeah related to jails and prisons here and Mm. it's uh many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's, I think, how do I even put this? Like, I honestly don't even know where to go. There's just so many things to say. But I guess the first thing I'll say is, um, in my undergraduate thesis, one thing I talked about was this myth that there is a such thing as a public space and a private space, especially when it comes to people who are Black, Brown, and Indigenous, Mm -hmm. where you're not even safe in your own home from police violence. You're literally not. You're literally not. Like, yeah. you're so, in your bed. Literally, you can literally get shot up in your sleep in your own bed, and that's nothing new. Look no. up Fred Hampton. Look up the mm-hmm. murder of Fred Hampton. Like, mm-hmm. you literally can't exist in your own <laughs> and be safe from police violence. You can it's literally all- be broken into your. You can, your apartment can be broken into. Lawfully. Lawfully. And that's why. Up. That's a perfect Be the wrong the person system, that right? got killed. Yeah. And people still find a way to fit, make it defendable that you Somehow. died or killed. An acceptable death in the pursuit of a criminal. Again, that's a n- one more acceptable death. No! No, it's just it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's, it's so layered. Like, so mm-hmm. the focus of, of my thesis was people who are pregnant in the prison system. Wow. And okay. I feel like one thing a lot of people don't realize even happens is how many pregnant people give birth alone in solitary confinement. Really? I have had yeah. no idea. I've That's never heard thing. about this. That That's is a thing. Mm-hmm. Fucked up. That's medically yep. unsafe. That's not... Uh-huh. That's a... mm-hmm. Dehumanization uh-huh. of two mm-hmm. human beings simultaneously. Exactly. One that's not even been born yet, and you've already... I talk about this all there, the time. Right? People... Like, I know, like, the pro-choice, pro-life debate gets so complicated when we bring this up because it's, like, these are people who have made the choice to carry a pregnancy to term and become parents. Mm -hmm. They are being deprived of that right. Yeah. Literally. And the stories would would horrify you. Like, when I, they would, like, I want to go into examples even, but I'm not even going to put you through, put you or your listeners through any of that. But. I will, when I um, make the list of articles for people to read, I'll put in an Please, essay that I yeah. wrote about it because it's, it's like, important. it's stuff like that. Mm. It's stuff like that. There's one case of this woman named Alteria Woods who lived in Florida. Mm. She was five months pregnant. And the police showed up at um, her, her partner's home because of like a drug raid. They were looking for her partner. Her partner used her body as a human shield while the SWAT team shot her to death. Wow. And they just fired. 
Yeah, yeah, that was just it. They, they were it. so desperate to get him that they just killed her. And who's heard of Alteria Woods before? Not enough people. No, no, I don't think not I've enough heard people. I don't think I've and heard this happened that horrific incident. so much more often than yeah. people even realize. There are so many pregnant people who are killed by police. So many pregnant people are killed by police. Really? It's so many, yeah. Abhorrent that that's even such a, a, an occurring thing that it's a topic that, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, that's not something, again, that would have occurred in my mind because it shouldn't occur. It, it shouldn't occur, but the fact that it is. Mm-hmm. About 4% of people who enter U.S. jails are pregnant. Really? Mm-hmm. and it's like ah, it's, it's another one of those layered things because one thing that makes me so sick to this day when I was teaching that class I was, I was teaching in a women's jail mm-hmm. and one of the days we talked about um, how during the time there was like legislation being passed making like all like pads and tampons and such free for people mm. that are in jail I and I found out from them that, that, that it's not, it was not happening. Maybe it's changed since then, but back then they were sharing stories about how some people would have to wear the same pad for days. No. And, and it would bleed through their sheets and onto their mattress and they wouldn't be able to get new mattresses. What the hell? And, then they, were, and they would, they weren't supposed to like add it to commissary stuff like that, but it ended up being used as like a, like kind of like treats to hand out for good behavior like a luxury and so it's like it's so it's like just this big layered reproductive injustice issue in jails and prisons that people don't even they don't even know this is a thing they don't know this is a thing no i don't know that was a thing but that's a perfect example of resource withholding and how it directly Mm -hmm. affects the population and, Mm -hmm. and can turn a population probably in on itself i'm actually working on um working on a an article about that i'm yeah when i'm so i'm looking at like different examples of this happening in jails and prisons mm. and i'm calling it erasure based <laughs> data injustice mm-hmm. because it's purposely withheld information that could improve the quality of life of people that are already marginalized that's and, incredibly true um like when I was doing the research um, for my thesis about pregnant people that are incarcerated, um, what blew my mind was that they're so lax when it comes to reporting these things. Yeah. So that like you, it's even hard to find public information about this because they're not documenting these things the way that they should be. Uh huh. And so all these people just are going unnoticed, completely unheard. Yeah. Their pains aren't counted, literally. They're not counted. Yeah. And so no, so then you can't, so policies can't change because they don't have the data to turn to, to be right. like, we need this. And then it's like, oh, on purpose they're doing that because they don't care. Because, yeah, they <laughs> don't care. They want, to, they want to keep it that, like, quiet. It's, it's another method of silencing people, I suppose, mm-hmm. isn't it? Really? Like, yeah. imagine if more people knew that that was a thing. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I want to think that people would be in uproar. Oh, I mean, I I'm mad about that. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just like, and then there's so many other things. Like, one thing that people don't realize is, like, here in New York, they don't realize how many people a year are deported for jumping a turnstile. Oh, my goodness. We've had a big mm-hmm. scandal 
a big scandal in the UK of, of people being deported for very minor crimes. Because the, matter of fact, really, two seventy five, two dollars yeah. and seventy five cents. Oh, oh, and the people that just gosh. get sent to jail for two seventy five—that's an agenda. There's no reason for that to be a jail sentence. That's a that's a an agenda, a biased. Mm-hmm. That's not justice in any form, because that's mm-hmm. not an equal in any way. And it's 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 targeting. It's it's again part of the system, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But then people say, they're not being targeted. Why don't you just obey the law? And it's like, because here we go again. Right. <laughs> it's the presumption as well that I suppose minorities are more prone to criminality, which is a race mm-hmm. belief that's been pounded into our heads since we were children. It goes, exactly, it goes back to the, the microaggressions, doesn't it? And the language that we use. Exactly. Language, language is so, so important. Language is so important. It's well, like the difference between calling yeah. a neighborhood poor or chronically disenfranchised. Yeah, that's right. It's, or calling somebody a slave versus saying that we're an enslaved person. Mm, Stuff like that. Right. It's it's the titling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's identity. It's and, mm-hmm. and it's it's frankly listening to the people who the language affects. Yep. I honestly don't see how anyone can argue when it is nothing. It obviously is to do with them, but it's to do with them in a way that they have to just respect the decision of the people who the language affects. Exactly. Yeah. Also, I'm still here. I'm just entertaining. No. <laughs> You're totally fine. I'm enjoying the view. I've got like a, a puppet show right now. <laughs> oh. So just as a mother, where do you think we can begin changing our education of children to make them more aware of things like language and pers- um, um, kind of conditioned racism where can we start? i mean the first thing is to model it the first thing is to model it at home yeah so i mean racism is learned what yeah. are they hearing at home what are they hearing at home and then of course it does get complicated because it's like what are they hearing at school what are they hearing from their friends mm. but a lot of the times it's what are you saying around them Mm. What uh, what are you exposing? <laughs> Woo, what, are you ex- <laughs> what are you exposing them to? Yeah. What are you letting happen before their eyes? Right. You know what are you witnessing with them that you're not explaining? Mm-hmm. When you're watching the news or watching a movie or watching a show, what are you just like letting pass by? And what are you being like? Before we continue, I just want to da 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 da. You yeah. know, so it's really modeling it at home because, like, you just have to. First, mm. you have to accept, recognize, and accept that you have a learning to do yourself. Yes. And then seeing it as like, a, okay, every day I'm going to take active steps to be anti-racist, and in doing so, make sure that I model that behavior for my child. Mm. It's like, um, it's like with issues of consent, to be honest. I feel like so many people, yes. um, first of all, only associate consent with sex, which is a problem in and of itself. Uh-huh. But they think, oh, uh, why are we teaching consent to kids who are two, three, whatever, five years old? And it's like, because bodily autonomy isn't just about sex. Right. Bodily autonomy is just something you should have. It's like, it should that's be just what it is. A core value. And, kids and, need to learn how to say no yeah from you keeping them from it doesn't protect them from the consequences exactly. that would happen they need to know mm-hmm. about it so mm-hmm. that they can therefore consent and therefore learn 
because exactly. it's takes- and you have to let them say no to you yeah like they're not just these mindless dolls mm. that are just they're in human. your home with they're human beings that are literally so impressionable they're little sponges are soaking everything up from you and if they learn in the home that it's not okay to say no mm-hmm. that's bad so bad. That is so bad. Mm. One of the first things we taught Io to say was no. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Like, how interesting. Like, one thing that I'm so happy about is that, like, I was only 19 months, but Io knows when it's time for a hug and when it's not time for a hug, when it's time to be touched and when it's not time to be touched. And, like, if, if Io doesn't want to be touched, Io will push you away. That's awesome. Or, sh- or Io will go, and that's how it should be. Yeah. If, if you don't want to be touched, you don't want to be touched. You shouldn't be touched. I, that's, that's yeah, 100%. Because it, it's that real impressionableness. It's that that feeling, isn't it? Especially when you're a young child, the Im- imprints exactly. on you. Exactly. Yeah. I've like been, weird uh, things where it's like, mm. and I didn't even realize this until until Io, to be honest. But uh-huh. like I thought back to moments from my own childhood where, like, and especially, like, if you're, like, a young girl, you know, like, it'll be, like, maybe a family outing where it's just acceptable for you to just be hugged and kissed. And They're, like, kiss your grandmother, like come on, and, and you're, you're like, there, like, yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's like, invasive. You, you should not be forced to have to hug or kiss or touch anybody. Literally. I don't care who you are, and I don't for care who's any trying reason. to touch you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if, if, like, there, first of all, there are other ways to show love. Yeah. And two, just, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> but forcing someone to do something isn't any way to show love at all. It's, it's just, mm-hmm. a, it's a negative thing. Exactly. Something that I suppose the people didn't have themselves in their childhood. It's very much a re- exactly. repeating cycle. Everybody models their relationships on their, on what they learn as a child, don't they? yeah that's why it took me a really long time to realize that abuse wasn't love <laughs> you know yeah agreed it's it's crazy oh, how how did you you did a uh, a post on facebook this morning jess i saw mm-hmm. about about your childhood oh, yeah <laughs> how did your childhood mm-hmm. influence your parenting now and have you done any work on yourself in that area yeah, um, so I've been saying this since I was a kid. I've always told myself, like, if I ever become a parent, thinking back to a lot of the things I experience mm. will be the perfect how not to parent guide. So when it comes to a lot of things, it's just like, don't do it <laughs> what they did. Yeah, <laughs> That's kind of how yeah. I Very let, it, let it rock, like, particularly with... um. Are you talking about the post about my stepdad? Yes, that's the one I saw just before we yeah. recorded this. That's a that's an interesting case. He um, I've been debating whether or not to be more vocal about uh, like his actual identity, like who he is, mm-hmm. because he's actually um, he's been in the news before Ooh. for some shit. Wow. And people that know me, like, have already made the connection, but I've been worried about being more open about who he really is, because depending on who heard it, it could honestly start quite a shit show. Would it put you Um, in harm? 
I wonder if it would put me in harm. It's so scary. You know what I mean? That's terrifying. But I will say this. He, um, he is a police officer. And he was investigated um, for involvement with some criminal negligence. There, so one of the... There was a really, really, uh, I'll put it this way. There was a mass shooting mm. recently within the last couple of years. And it was reported that the person responsible for the mass shooting was stockpiling weapons for months. And neighbors called in over 20 complaints to the police department. Wow. before the shooting happened over 20 complaints wow and my ex-stepdad was the cop who ignored the calls <gasps> wow so and wow. when i found this out the first thing that i thought of was um when i was about seven or eight this is before he was a cop um at this point he was working for <laughs> an organization that removed abused kids from their homes. <laughs> oh, so great. That's the best thing to do. Oh, uh -huh. I love all these. Great. Um, I called the police on him. I told him about seven or eight. Police show up. He goes outside. He talks to them. The cops leave. They didn't investigate well, it. They didn't so when I found out that he himself... Nope. So when I found out that he himself now was being investigated... For ignoring the same thing, I was like, "Wow!" And it's the same police department too. That's mm -hmm. so fucked. That's so clearly. Yep. That's such a clear pattern that in any other instance in life mm -hmm. that would absolutely warrant an investigation. You know, that's absolutely. like, well, that's a credible, mm -hmm. a credible line of investigation we can go down. Mm -hmm. But and that wasn't, and that words. call that I made on him was mm -hmm. not the first time he was ever accused of a crime. Really, there was another time when I was a teenager when. My family and I went through something really intense. There was proof that he was the person involved with what happened. But his friends were able to come up with an alibi for him. He's been getting away with the shit for a long time. And I try my best to yeah. be uh, mindful because I know he does still have a relationship with my siblings. Mm -hmm. And like my brother, he's a a young black boy and I worry what would happen if you know anything like that happened but it's just one of those things where it's like there are so many steps mm -hmm. that could have prevented yeah there were so many that went down red flags so many red flags like right there so many red flags. that's another right pattern there. another reoccurring pattern throughout all the stories that we hear is mm -hmm. it so it's never an isolated incident. Never. It's never. Never an isolated incident. With no. any kind of oppressive crime. Oh, like now with, no. um, with the cop who's being charged. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. What's his name? Derek. Where they were like, oh, it wasn't his first time. It's like surprised. seven prior. Surprise. Seven prior mm -hmm. offenses with no investigations. No. Like, of course. Written kind of like, what's the word? when they work anything. or anything <laughs> literally anything yeah. on record we had to the community the world had to come together and be like oh wait we've put all this mm -hmm. together here's this information that the police or the government or somebody should have told you but they chose not to exactly 
again, and like my, it's that choice. my stepfather's a perfect example. Wow. Blows my mind sometimes. Like it's one of those things where like, like for a while I was very still steeped in it. And mm-hmm. now I'm, you know, when you get to the point where you kind of detach yourself from the trauma yeah, to the point where you can like talk about it without crying just because like you've grappled with it for so long yeah. that's where I'm at with it now and it's like I think back sometimes and first I'm like oh my god all that happened yeah oh my god all that happened what that's and then you like start reliving it and it's like yeah this happened mm-hmm. and it's just like wow and then that same person goes on to be responsible for horrific things and you're just like part of I mean I mean of course my heart is just with the victims but then it's also just like how was this possible how did you not see how did you how did you not see this right and if you didn't and then that's when it gets even scarier it's like did they see it and they just didn't care (laughs) they just didn't care and it's not like they're short of people willing to do a, a good job. I mean, there are people that are willing to do a good mm-hmm. job. Why do they keep around these people who actively dismiss and just ignore, ignore basic humanity? I find it so odd. It's something, because we've been talking a lot about conditionedness and stuff, but basic humanity is something like compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. It's something that humans just have. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we we learn it obviously in different ways. Which blows my mind that people but, say yeah. human nature is to be evil. Like no, have you seen a child? Awful. Have you seen children play together? Right, they learn all the bad. Yeah, one hundred percent. Or they're born into situations where they're kind of molded into people that have to survive in ways that are not yeah the best. <laughs> But yeah. what, what choice do a lot of people have? Again, it's the system, again, pushing people down that route where mm-hmm. they feel that even joining the police, an institution that actively murders black mm-hmm. people is the best option. Think about the exactly. other options. People only see the extremes. They don't see where it comes in the middle of the spectrum. They don't see the milder and the moderate instances. Mm-hmm. So they they exactly. don't see the scale of the problem because it's an everyday thing chipping away mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly oh it's wild jess it's wild so i'm just looking at the time jess we've been we've been talking for ages <laughs> <laughs> um is there anything that you think we've discussed that we need to dig back into because we've discussed a lot i've had a great chat i've had a great time same. <laughs> I wish we like lived closer so we could just talk all the time. Because I'm thinking back to the last time I saw you, and it was. Um, oh, let's tell our origin story. So it was. It was my birthday in New York, and I just landed uh-huh. after yeah. my flight was delayed. I lost my luggage. Yeah. I turned up on Jess's doorstep. Doorstep. <laughs> like 3 a.m. I'd never met you before. Uh-huh. We haven't really spoken. And she took me in and she gave me a bed and she helped me get yeah. my luggage back the next day yeah. because uh, like roaming wasn't a thing on my phone then. Like just wasn't a thing. I didn't have the internet. You and Jamie just walked all around yeah. the city. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was wonderful. That was my first experience of, um, I think America 
on my own and I was only 20 years oh old. Oh my God. I know, I was so naive, young dumb and naive <laughs> as hell. <laughs> but it was a lot Same of though, same. You've, got, you've grown and changed so much in those years, but I, I've loved watching it. It's been, it's been awesome. I, you know there's people who you keep on Facebook, yeah. you don't see them for 10, 10 years, it must be. Oh my God, yeah, it must be almost, it's almost. Ah. Which is but, wild. Oh, wild, right? It does not feel like 10 years. But there's, yeah, there's people, and we need to connect up like this. I think it's such an important, yes. an important, important thing to do. Important to have these conversations, even if they're not perfect. Nothing's perfect, is it really? For real, though. <laughs> yeah, for real. But anything is better than nothing. For real. Oh, but as we were saying, something to dig back into. I think it's really important mm. to accept that racism and all of the other isms yeah they're spectrums yes they're not just examples of extreme behaviors or ideas mm -hmm. it's really it creeps in yeah it creeps into our thinking and it makes it harder to it makes it really hard to have conversations with people when they have the idea in their mind that it's only extreme things mm -hmm. that are Harm. It is. Sorry, just I lost the signal there for a second. I'm a hope, but small hole can sink a great ship. Sorry, I lost your signal. Then say that one little bit again for me. Oh, sorry. No, so the quote is just a small hole can sink a great ship. Yes, and, absolutely. And that's where things where it's like it doesn't just take this huge thing to cause, you know, mm. serious destruction. All it takes is a single, the smallest hole. The but smallest on the flip hole. side, mm -hmm. all it takes is a single seed to grow a forest. So it's like, how are we going to look at these things? Like, we can just admit that we all, every single one of us, has work to do when yes. it comes to unlearning toxic thinking because yes if we're if you're white the problem is racism if you're black the problem can be classism ableism mm -hmm. homophobia transphobia mm -hmm. so it's like we literally all have work to do because Everyone. we all live at intersections of so many different identities yeah we all have so much that we need to work through and unlearn mm -hmm. and i will make a very all right one thing i will say is this i think one thing that we really need to a lot be a lot more serious about is realizing that while it's important to think about things like intersectionality mm -hmm. it's also important to think about how sometimes conversations like that ignore the very unique experiences of people who are men either cis or trans men mm. whose narratives don't really get told and I feel like right now we're seeing a ton of examples of what happens when particularly black men and their unique types of suffering under systems mm -hmm. go ignored or are just not seen as important because they're necessarily just like associated with toxic masculinity and patriarchy yeah. that's really like true. we're literally what we're seeing right now is, I mean, 
like I'm just trying to find a way to like put it succinctly but it's just like yeah we can't just say patriarchy is bad men are trash and leave it at that it's not I feel like simple. at one point I might at one point I, I was one of those people that would say stuff oh, like that oh same it's not same that thing. simple Mm-mm. and it's so not that simple especially when you have centuries of conditions leading people to think that black boys and men are inherently dangerous yeah inherently doing something wrong Mm -hmm. like their existence in itself is Mm -hmm. a threat yeah and we're seeing what happens when that becomes normal yeah and it's it's sad to watch it's so sad to watch so many um so many of the black men and boys i want to make it so clear because it's not just men it is also black boys children yeah. literally growing up in a time where people just see them as a threat yeah and it's i think that really had a, a lot light, a light shined on it in with that that instance of the video of what was that lady's name who deliberately called the cops on that oh my gosh like man yeah, knowing, knowing uh-huh. that that would end up awfully awfully and by that the was time chilling to watch that horrible. was chilling like I watching her voice change so yeah the mouth like watching and it was just like yeah it was so creepy chilling. to watch yeah it was like a so chilling. like a monster like a switch like somebody like, knew some... that they were doing something bad but they exactly. enjoyed it. yeah was really exactly chilling. and it's just it like totally enabled like that kind of behavior is, should never be normal so intense and that's so far and, um, exactly and i want to clarify that i'm not saying this to say that anybody's like like i would never say let's put any narrative above anybody else's narrative nothing like that but we just have to get to a point where we're like we can't just look at things as simple it's not just boom boom this you or that like binary thinking again like yeah Absolutely. You gotta move past binary thinking. We have to look at things in more complex ways because it's not yeah. as simple as it's not linear. Yeah. There's no there's no path to progression that's linear. Yeah. It, it starts all over, up, down, left, it's right. All over. Yeah. And it's, it's intersectional. Because exactly. You can't you can't just fix one one supposedly grouped issue, can you? Without mm-hmm. without fixing the others. And that and that I suppose is the basis for making an equal society, isn't it? You have to fix everything. You can't just fix exactly. a little bit. Hmm. Or maybe not even fix. You might just have to or rebuild. Burn it all down. Because fuck this shit. The yeah. And that's why we have to organize. That's why we have to have the conversations because it's all good and well to want to burn everything down. But if you don't trust the people that you're be rebuilding with, that's so true. Then what do you have? We're just going to end up here again. Why would we risk exactly. that? Exactly. We have to make sure that we have a unified mm. collective front against the same enemy which is systemic white supremacy Mm -hmm. structural violence Mm -hmm. global imperialism environmental injustice which is actually something to talk about this is just a little thing i want to pop in there it plays people don't realize that a ton of their trash ends up in the neighborhoods that are black and brown and Mm -hmm. not even always in the same state that they're in just all these things really oh even in the same about uh what the fuck in 2016, about 700,000 tons of New York trash ended up in Virginia in a majority black neighborhood. Yeah. And it's not. Oh, yeah. I recommend That's... everybody look up where their trash goes. What the look fuck? up where your trash goes. That's actively mm-hmm. 
that's just that's just <laughs> racist that's just an actually is racist what the i'm fuck? writing an article i'm writing an article right what's an essay that i'm writing that's going to come out sometime in the next month mm. um where i talk about the importance of composting mm-hmm. um and it's like our, yeah um where it talks about the importance of composting because first of all uh. about 20 to 30 percent of the trash that ends up in landfills is compostable it yeah. can literally be turned into healthy soil because it's food waste yeah. or it's yeah, like brown food. waste and huge amount of food waste and so if you can actually take an active step in keeping that out of landfills mm-hmm. you're reducing the amount of toxic waste that ends up in black and brown communities so it's like so it all connects taken it all connects that's literally it, it. what a perfect example of it all connecting and and what people could do in their daily lives people don't even that's not even something that goes out of your way particularly it's just we just literally live a different way it's not more we live a different way it's not less it's just different and it's better it's just different it's just different and then that goes to the same thing where it's like what are we funding one of the you know do you know one of the first things new york city cut what no oh god the collection of comp of food waste obviously there was there was a whole system that was building that was wow. doing so well. They were diverting thousands of tons of really? toxic shit from landfills. Wow. And that's the first thing you cut. Yeah, the what first the hell? Thing you cut of everything. There was such momentum that had been built up. There's definitely not the that most was trying to, to make our city more sustainable, mm. and that's what they cut. Well, they cut that, and then they cut youth programs. What the hell? Like, what? Why? Uh-huh. They've specifically picked things on no operational mm-hmm. or logical level. They've gone on. You want to hear the wildest part? Care. Go on. Guess how long they canceled organics collection. So organic collection is what they're referring to as like, the compost. Right. Guess how long they canceled it until? How long? Next, next June. June. No, next June. So next over, June. over a year from even today. Do you know how many tons of? of I don't even want. Mm, yeah, it's. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to read thousands this. of ah. tons of waste a day that New Yorkers produce. I'm gonna and that's what they're gonna cut. That's, that's what they're gonna cut. Okay. That's a huge, mm-hmm. a huge impact and a huge, very obvious. And even even up until yep. the pandemic, that was literally the global topic, the hot global topic. Yep. Environmentalism. And they're opposed there's a Green New Deal, really? Really? But then this is the I first thing you're gonna cut. Right. <laughs> and Green New Deal, where oh oh it's gone. Never mind. Like uh, <laughs> It's wild. It's wild. Jess, talk to me about your gardening and your and your city living okay. sustainability because I love I love all your little gardening events. So I will preface this by saying that I used to be one of those people mm-hmm. who only killed plants. I just couldn't <laughs> get it to like I just couldn't keep plants alive. I couldn't do it. I get it. I couldn't keep plants alive. I killed so many bonsais. <laughs> so many. Even even the ones that they're like, oh, get this, it can't die. It's dead. It's like, dead now. That was me. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out if it's just because my mindset is different or because yeah. like now I've been growing plants from seed. Oh, and that yeah. might be what it was for me. Um, it goes, uh, it ties directly into what we're talking about because it's been teaching me patience. It's been teaching me the importance of your environment to your yes. growth. Yeah. And being able to really just watch moment by moment, day by day, this thing that was just like 
Yeah, I feel the same. So small, so tiny. Watching life happen. Something that can nourish you. Yeah. It's it's wild. It's it's so amazing. When when propagated perfectly, it could be beautiful. Right? Right? Yeah. So beautiful. And it just makes me think like uh, imagine if like all right so there's a new uh, like tax credit that people can get if they um when they build new buildings well i mean now it's mandatory if you build a new building it has to have right. a green roof but you can also get a tax break now if you turn your roof into a green roof and all i can think mm. is like imagine they turned every hospital roof every school roof oh yeah every apartment roof into a How sustainable much garden space that is i think some people have vertical gardens Oh my like gosh, on the face of how much you can grow from a vertical garden. Oh, beautiful. You're literally feeding communities. Got it, and you're doing, and mm-hmm. you're creating green jobs. Yeah. And you're reducing uh, storm water. Like you're, you're doing so many things at once. That would solve feeding people. Or that would, that would create or give solutions to so many things. So many problems. It's such so a many. simple thing that, again, it's a choice, not jobs, to do it. healthy yeah. food. And not no, to mention the environmental impact that it yeah, has. Yeah, basically no bad like, things about it. So why are we not? Why are we no choosing not it. to do it? Yeah. Why are we wasting rooftops? Like I read right. um, that there's over sixty thousand rooftop acres. Wow, that's what in I mean. New York City alone. Fuck. And like imagine, like imagine if it was literally every city. Do you know how much we could combat climate change if we 100%. literally just were like our roofs are all green now, right? Even in London, like our just, are all green, and 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 you could plan it. We have that. We have the technology. It's not like it's an un. We literally have the technology. Thing. It's literally possible. We could create it's literally just possible anywhere. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not even that hard. People can do it's it. It's not even that hard. If you and give like them seeing, the funding, people can do it. If you give them the funding, people can do it. <laughs> right? And it's just like literally watching it happen in my own apartment. It's yeah. just like, like this is so silly, but like. I the first food that I harvested that we grew ourselves was just like just a container of broccoli microgreens yeah but like watching it from the beginning to harvesting it to just putting it into some smoothies was just like oh my god like it was so rewarding you did that yeah right like every stage yeah and like imagine if like like all like and, and like my dream world or whatever like i just see like especially in a place like places with apartment buildings mm. if you turn those roofs roofs is it roofs or roofs anyways i don't know <laughs> i say roofs but i feel like that might be my nap english because i right? can't pronounce my r's ever apart from in that word <laughs> i feel like not only are like imagine if they became co-ops where like people who lived in these buildings grew their own food Give them that together, resource. took care of it together. Mm-hmm. Then how community all this, like that's just like I, I just don't see how anybody can see that and not realize that's the benefits. That's just it's lovely. just obvious, right? Or hospitals. Imagine hospitals had their own gardens on top. How good would that be for patients and stressed like, out people? Like why did in schools? Yeah. Oh my god. And making growing food part of curriculums. It's like okay, um, for your physical education class, we're gonna go up and tend to the rooftop garden. Right. Perfect. Come on. People need to know. People don't know where the food comes from. That's something I find really scary in this modern world. You know, people are so. And they don't realize that the people that are growing their food and picking their food are being exploited. Oh, so much. There's no enslaved, which is a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like 
See, it's just one of those things where it's just yeah. like the things that a simple community garden can do for a community. Yeah. You could take people out of having to take those explosive jobs, those completely mm-hmm. precarious, horrific jobs that are, are not even an option, really, but they exactly. are the but they are the option. You could you could take you people just do that. Yeah, enabling people to be self sustainable and how's that the only thing that's bad for, let's face it, is the system. So mm-hmm. I really want to put together a, like a presentation to try and convince uh, my building managers, owners, etc. Yeah. Like what would it take to get something like that started? Mm-hmm. Sadly, um, I don't know when that'll happen because the superintendent of my building died of COVID. Oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot. Back of- to everything being layered. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And that's, that's going to set neighborhoods neighborhoods like the one you live in behind further because of your higher death rate. So you have less officials in place to keep those kind of like systems moving. All layered. All layered. Wow. So like, I feel like the simplest thing people could do is just like, especially now that all fucking elected officials are on Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Tweet at them, Mm. sign petitions, sign stuff share stuff it takes call a their offices email mm-hmm. their offices and literally all it is is tell them i need to hear show us that you care by changing the budget mm. fund fund the shit that matters right fund the shit that is actively going to make communities better fund the yeah. shit that is going to heal communities yeah improve lives and that's, it's that Save simple lives. it's that simple like you've yeah. literally seen what the nypd is doing right now like you've seen what police departments around the world are doing right now Beautiful. how can fund you- them yeah. Fund hospitals, fund right. schools, fund youth programs. Yeah. And fund gardens, fund organics collection. Make sure that people that work for sanitation and the departments of transportation are funded. Mm-hmm. Fund that stuff. The fundamentals. That's what's going to, that's right. where it's at. Exactly. Right. Fundamental. Fundamental. <laughs> In the name. Yeah. That's it, though, isn't it? Like, because with all that well funded, system in place if the world was great like that then there would literally be no need for the police because there would be no need for crime and there would be if there was then there would be better ways of dealing with it because people would be better equipped in mentally physically in their spirit (sighs) exactly yeah that's why like whenever anybody is like well if we abolish prisons and get rid of police well then what's going to happen blah 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 and it's like you're looking at this completely the wrong way. Right. You're, Nobody you're, is saying yeah. that people don't do things that are that need to be met with consequences. Nobody is saying that. Mm. Nobody is saying that. What they're mm. saying is when you change where the money goes and when you change what the focus is, you realize that you don't need those police departments in no. the ways that you thought they did. No. And then you can do things like make sure that medical professionals don't wear trash bags yeah. while you're funding the NYP, NYPD to have better riot gear. No. It's like, come on. That, isn't that such a, a stark contrast? They're all geared up like that. And, and the people that are fighting coronavirus are in actual come trash on. bags. Like, do you need any more visual indication? And if you do, then I, then yeah. It's you're seeing the police literally respond to peaceful protesters with violence is what's really getting me right now because there are going to yeah. be so many people that see the news story like i shared a, a video earlier where i clipped together mm. different police doing these things and it's like so many people are really going to believe that the protesters themselves instigated the violence when in reality 
they were defending themselves when the police got violent themselves. Yeah. And there's a huge difference. There's a huge yeah. difference. There's like, again, it's what do you expect people to do? Like when people are being attacked with tear gas and rubber bullets, that's not even like there's a mild, literally not a mild a police officer. There was a police officer on horseback who trampled a woman. The fuck, dude? What's wrong with you? That's like an what old. What the fuck is wrong with you? The oldie, I'm going to murder a person with a horse. Like, what, what are you God? doing? And then That's you wonder why people fight back after that. Right. Or when the NYPD literally drives a car into a crowd. Yeah, they're probably going to burn the fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> I would. Wouldn't you? People, people burn things for less, dude. Like, yeah. Right? Literally, they burn things for less. Mm-hmm. And it's just. It's time. I'm really hoping that everything going on now, like I'm, I'm honestly a bit surprised by how many white people are really starting to be like, oh shit, this is bad. And I'm just hoping more and more of them do. Of course, yeah. there are other white people who are now going the other direction, which is scary. <sighs> yeah. Um, but it's a perfectly we can focus up. on. Mm. Yeah, mm. we can focus on the ones that are not doing that. We can yep. focus on. The other things, yes, while also trying to fight to have the right things funded. Mm. And hopefully along the way, those other people see the error of their ways. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. But. We can hope in humanity. Luckily. Exactly. But luckily, we can just unite with the people that are finally on the right side of history. That's right. Go from there. There's always people that are ready to join, you know? Mm -hmm. So if we focus on them, then I think that's a really great place to start. I think that's a really good bit. Agreed. Jess, as an amazing activist that you are, how do you conserve your energy? How do you recharge? How do you make sure you don't give too much? Oh, that's actually the one thing I don't know how to do. Really? <laughs> I was asking personally because yeah. I need to know. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I struggle with the yeah. most. Like, honestly, the main thing that even keeps me just from like completely going off the rails is just like, is IO, just really? like, dancing and playing and just like doing everything I possibly can to make Aya smile. It's like the one thing that helps me like that's the recharge, I guess, because other than that, yeah. I don't really sleep. I don't really turn off. I'm always turned on and like mm. part of it is because like I do a lot of like writing and I do a lot of journalism. So it's mm. like I have to be tuned into the new stuff. I can't just turn off. Right. And I know that there are literally thousands of people who like turn to me for like information about stuff so Mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of my duty to like do what I can to stay you know yeah to getting info out there but at the same time it's like it can be hard it's exhausting it's exhausting it's so exhausting it's so exhausting but one thing that has helped is the gardening yes um yeah those those things are great Learning a new language. Have you? That's what have you been, been learning? Really nice. I've been learning German. Oh, um, so useful. Yeah. So, so useful, right? Yeah. Um, honestly, so many languages stem from it. It's really interesting. And then just like I've got, I've got my shows that I zone out and watch. That's good. you got your yeah. little, your self, self-careness. Yeah. All that. Good. Exactly. I'm glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad we got to have this talk today, Jess. You found us to be a dream guest. You are oh my God. Really wonderful. I was so glad when you reached out. Yeah. Because, yes. 
one thing I wanted to at some point talk about was sex work, but I feel like that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Can we be on here for another several hours? I know. Honestly, we've been here for two hours almost and it's not even long enough. I think so. It's, it's five 30 in the UK oh now. I know. Wow. <laughs> this has been incredible, but let's re meet. I really want to, because okay. you're, you're just a dream guest. So maybe, maybe at another time in the future. Not not too soon, but yes. Let's definitely. Yeah. That was wonderful. Jess, thank you so much. Yeah. You've you've been in a, in a wonderful, hopeful mood as well. You really have oh that God, I'm so glad. aura of hope about you. You really do. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Ooh, on that note, um yeah. there's a a quote that I love um from a from you should all watch this. It's called Twilight Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it's a one woman play. Amazing. where she collects um different like quotes speeches interviews from different like activists and thinkers etc talking about the talking about los angeles oh right during 19 in 1992 uh-huh. and oh, wow. yeah, okay. one of the quotes was from cornell west mm-hmm. and he talks about how he doesn't like to look at things as hopeless he likes to look at things as decaying he likes to um realize that there's a difference between hope and optimism Mm. with optimism you have reason to believe that things are going to get better you know like there's evidence that things are going to get better Mm -hmm. but with hope you don't have evidence but even though you don't have that evidence you still realize that something there has to be another way there has to be there has to be another way and that's why yeah. like things like the black radical imagination the black radical tradition is really thinking through honestly the limitations of things like capitalist thinking have on us mm-hmm. where we think this is all that there is these are the only options that we have this is what can happen and it's like no there's another way yeah there's do not 100%. let your imagination be controlled by capitalist thinking do oh, not let it be controlled oh, by imperialist good. thinking do not let it be controlled by white supremacist thinking. There are other ways to do things. And if you say that there aren't, you're literally just being controlled by capitalist thinking. You're just closing your eyes. Yeah. And that's it. I love that. Just I love dream harder. Dream harder. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. We can all do that. Dream harder and wake powerful up. <laughs> yeah. Literally wake up. First step, wake up. Second step, dream. Yeah. It might sound hard, but that's ultimately what we have to do. It might sound backwards, but that's because it's just never been done before. Everything's exactly. impossible until it happens, right? Exactly. Mm. Jess, thank you so much. Where can we find you so on the talk. internet? Um, so on Twitter and Instagram, my main thing is Moon Twerk. Moon Twerk, love. Yes, it's my, um, sometimes people ask like what it means, and it's my play on Sundance. <laughs> oh my God, that's dope. <laughs> Moon twerk. Moon um, twerk. Yes. And um, yeah, Jesse J E S I dash Taylor dot org. I haven't updated it in a while. I should actually update it. And just honestly, if you Google Jesse Taylor Cruise, a lot of my articles will come up. And yeah, that's where to find me. Wonderful. Yeah. You're incredible. Thank you so much, Jesse. What are you doing for the rest of your day? What have you got planned? What day is today? Sunday? Oh, it is Sunday. Sunday? Damn. Oh, um, I'm going to be. Oh, I'll be right back real quick. Yeah, sure. <gasps> Good.
I always been so well behaved. Um, I'm going to a, a virtual planning meeting for an upcoming uh, conf- uh, workshop conference school that I'm going to be a part of in Very July. Cool. It's called Black Feminist Kitchen. <gasps> Everybody should look up Black Feminist Kitchen, Black Feminist Summer School. Yes. Um, it's going to be great. I shared your post on it. Your, all the slides that you have. Oh, yeah, I saw. Thank you. Rad. I thought that was really cool. Um, I'll definitely share so that. I have a planning there. meeting for that. Yeah. Um, and what else am I going to do today? I'm just going to take it minute by minute, I guess. Yeah. Probably research trees. <laughs> calming. <laughs> so nice and calming. Oh, I, yeah, I saw your lovely leaf journal. That's such a, that's such yeah, a nice thing to do. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Queen. You're incredible. Be safe. And I love you so much. Yes, be safe. I love you. Stay yeah. healthy. And we'll... Uh, oh, I just blew you a kiss. Oh, oh, I love you. Oh, you're so sweet. All right, beautiful queen. I'm just gonna peace out. Love ya. Love you. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.